0: Grace is yours and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. The Word of God serving as our text, our second lesson from Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 8, as previously read. In Christ Jesus, the church's gracious head and Savior, dear fellow redeemed. A story is told about Abraham Lincoln of the time that he was about to meet a group of clergymen at the White House. Just prior to the meeting, one of his cabinet officials walked into his office only to find the president shining his shoes. Surprised by the sight, the man said, Mr. President, you're shining your own shoes? Amused by the man's reaction, President Lincoln said, whose shoes would I be shining? I love the story because it speaks to the kind of humility that many of us look for in those who have risen to high office or who have attained great wealth and fame. We're so pleased to discover that at the end of the day, these people are just like us, performing the same menial task for themselves that are required of all of us. But is that enough to be like us common folk? In other words, are are we the gold standard of humility? That's the subject before us today. We'll be asking ourselves the question, what does a humble life really look like? And the scriptures will help us to answer Under the theme, God has gifted you to serve as a recipient of his grace and as an agent of his grace. Paul is quick to inform us that he himself is a recipient of God's grace. He says, for by the grace given me, I speak to every one of you. Grace is the undeserved kindness that God shows to us sinners who, because of our sinful nature, can never earn or merit His kindness. For Paul, God's grace brought him to see that the Jesus he had once so arrogantly persecuted as an enemy of the Jewish church was, in fact, its Savior, and more importantly, the Savior of the whole world. Paul was so thrilled to learn that God's grace had rescued him from certain death in hell and saved him for unending life with Jesus in heaven. And as if all that were not grace enough, in grace upon grace, this kindness named Paul an apostle that is a spokesman of the same Jesus he once hated. All this kindness was not lost on Paul. Instead, it reshaped all of his thinking, not just about Jesus, but about all the people he would know and meet. In his gratefulness to God, he wanted to serve all those people by letting them know of God's full forgiveness and of the promise of heaven that awaits all those who believe in Jesus. That's what Paul's doing for us today. All these centuries later, he's serving us with God's word, showing us how its good news impacts our lives, reshaping all of our thinking and our actions. And so it's with this in mind that Paul says, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. The apostle doesn't waste any time. He immediately puts his finger on the sin that plagues all of us by nature. It's that stubborn arrogance that we were born with, all of us, right? You you know you have it. Arrogance is what keeps you from walking away in the middle of an argument. You're hanging in there because you know, you know you're always right. Arrogance fuels our frustration when we are inconvenienced by that slow driver or by the person in the checkout lane ahead of us that can't find the right coupon. How dare they, right? I mean, don't they know how important we and our plans are? Paul says, you ought not think so highly of yourself. Not just because it's distasteful, but because arrogance, like all sin, is dangerous and damning. You shouldn't think this way, Paul says. And then he immediately goes on with the good news. You don't have to think that way about yourself, not any longer. Because God's grace has delivered you from the power of sin that held you. God's grace has freed you to think of yourself in a new and sober, that is, in a new and sensible way, according to the faith that God has given you. And how does God-given faith see things? Well, it reminds us that when grace found us, we were all in the same boat. Just as lost, just as hell-bound as everyone else, no one better than anyone. And now that grace has rescued us, well, it's more of the same. Grace has given us the same gift of faith, all of us. We trust in the same Jesus. We are blessed by him with gifts, varying gifts, none better, just different. And all of us belonging to the others, Paul says, he puts it this way, For just as each one of us has one body with many members, And these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body. Each member belongs to all the others. More sober thinking. When God hands out his gifts to us, and he does to all of us, it's never his intention that any of these gifts should make any one of us feel more special or more important or more entitled than anyone else. Instead, Paul says, we Christians should see ourselves and our fellow Christians as members of one body, belonging to each other. Wouldn't it be ridiculous if the baseball pitcher's arm thought it more important than the pitcher's brain that determines which pitch to throw, or the the pitcher's fingers, which know just when to release the ball and what spin to put on it, or the pitcher's legs, that know how to kick through the pitch. No part of that man's body is more important than any other. They all work together to perform the task at hand, all belonging to each other. And so it is with us Christians. We are all members of the body of Christ, who is our head. And we know this body as the church. Now, in the church, unlike the world, it is not a humble thing to simply think of ourselves as equals. Christian humility goes beyond that. Christian humility elevates the needs and desires of everyone else over self. I think back to President Lincoln and his question, whose shoes would I be shining? In the kingdom of this world, it is considered a great act of humility when somebody of importance says, you don't have to shine my shoes, I'll take care of it. But in the kingdom of grace, Christian humility is not found in my willingness to shine my own shoes, but to shine yours, or more to the point, to wash your feet as Jesus washed those of his disciples. You see, as a, a recipient of God's grace, God has gifted you to serve not self, but others, and in this way serve as an agent of his grace. Paul again explains. He says, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. Just as every member of the human body performs a different function for that body's health and well-being, so it is with us Christians. God has given us different functions to perform within the church and in his wisdom he has gifted us in a way that each of us can carry out the role that we've been given. It's with this truth in mind now that Paul goes on to give us a sample grouping of the blessings that God gives to his people. The list is not meant to be all inclusive here, not to list everything that God does for his people, but simply Paul helping us to think through the blessings we may have, the gifts that God has given us and how we may use them. For example, Paul says, if your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. Prophesying involves listening to God's word very carefully and then speaking that word to others. The one prophesying is not to let this gift go to his head. He's not to run off at the mouth, spouting his own thoughts and opinions. No, his sole purpose is to be a blessing to everyone else by speaking words that do not depart in any way or to any degree from the truths God has given us to believe and confess. That's how the one prophesying carries out his gift in accordance with faith. Paul says, likewise, if your gift is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. In other words, God has gifted you. Use your gifts. Now, as I mentioned, this is not a comprehensive list of all of God's blessings. And yet, I think you'll recognize these blessings. They're often the ones that you'll read about in bulletins or hear-about and after-service announcements. These are the kinds of gifts that we're looking for quite often here at Mount Olive. For instance, in recent weeks, you heard us looking for Sunday school teachers and life group leaders. We often put out a call for choir members and instrumentalists to serve in our worship services. Throughout the year, we look for ushers and greeters and coffee cafe workers and people to advance the worship slides and serve us here in worship. More recently, we developed a program at Mount Olive when we how we mentor new members. We, we ask current members to sponsor people new to the church. And in this way, encourage them to be active in worship and involved in congregational life. We look for them to be encouragers. We're in need of people to serve on snow removal teams and on the church cleaning crew, and of course in the summer we need people to mow the lawn. And sometimes we're looking for people to carry out mercy ministry. They become involved with our food pantry, or maybe in some other way supply the needs of those who have suffered some setback in life. The list is long in a congregation this size. And yet, at times, it seems the workers are few. Why is that? Well, it may be that we see the announcement and think, I, I just don't have the time right now. And of course, that may be true. <laughs> we all live busy lives. But doesn't that fact highlight all the more the importance of working together with our gifts, each of us doing something so that a few are not left to do nearly everything. Or maybe the announcement goes out for help and we think, well, I just don't have that gift. And again, that may be true. Or it may be a product of false humility. Now, I've heard it said that humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. And doesn't that fit with everything Paul is telling us today? When I think about myself less and spend more time thinking about you and your needs, I'm, I'm much more likely to, to want to serve rather than to dismiss the notion out of hand. But even if I want to serve, and I do, How? How do I serve? What should I do? What are my gifts? Well, if you're not sure, I think here you could ask your pastor, maybe another trusted friend. Maybe they'll see gifts in you that you don't recognize yourself. Or maybe you'll just try something, right? And keep trying until you find what fits. It's a little bit like when we sign our kids up for Little League. We don't sign them up for a certain position. If we did that, the whole team would be a team of pitchers, right? No, we sign them up. The coach keeps putting them in in different places until we find the place that fits. It works that way here at Mount Olive. We'll help you figure it out. In fact, we'll, we'll try to do that today. Maybe you notice we've got some tables set up back in the atrium. Somebody walked in and thought it was the cookie fair, but it's not. It's it's lists that represent areas of ministries where we could use some help. And after the service, I would really appreciate it if you'd go back there and just take a look and and see if you find an area that you're interested in serving. If someone's back there behind the table, ask some questions. Maybe you'll sign up. Maybe you won't. Maybe, Maybe you need more time to think about it. And do that, please. Give it some prayerful thought. And as you pray about this understand none of this is meant to guilt you into service guilt is a terrible motivator and it's exactly the opposite of everything Jesus wants for you he's freed you from your guilt all of it the perfect son of God was willing to step in as the substitute of sinners He took ownership of our arrogance and our selfishness. All of our sin became his. And then he, God's son, in the greatest act of humility this world will ever know, thinking nothing of himself, thinking only of us, carried all of our sin and the sin of all into the depths of hell where he suffered God's wrath in our place until all of that righteous anger was spent And all that remains is forgiveness full and free for you and me and all who believe. There is no guilt. There is no shame. There is only grace, which covers you every moment of every day, covers you with the humility and the selfless spirit of Jesus. God wants that grace to fill up your life. He wants you to see how pleased he is with you, how happy he is with you. He wants you to see how gifted you are in his eyes. In fact, he thinks so highly of you that he has named you an agent of his grace. He wants you to put to, gift, put to use the gifts he's given you and he gives you opportunities to do that so that that grace that he has for you flows over your life into the lives of others for their good and to God's glory. Amen.